Eli, I haven't been up here for a while. Three Sundays. It's great. It was a nice, refreshing change. Did Pastor Brad do all right? Well, that was real encouraging. I said, Pastor Brad, do all right? There you go. Amen. I'll tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a humorous story. Let's see if I can get it right today. I was down to, you know where Monroe's at, don't you? I left Monroe and was coming home, and you get to the corner of 81, you turn left to go to Norfolk. You know where that's at. Well, as I was sitting there, there comes this big wind turbine. They haul those huge things, and they have cars and trucks ahead of them. And this guy was turning the corner, and he had traffic backed up on 81. And it was 5 o'clock. People are coming from Columbus getting off work. He comes clear around, gets up on the median, and there's this woman uh, from Minnesota in front of me. And I could tell she was nervous because she just getting, couldn't get across. So she just goes out, and I thought, oh, my God, she's going to get hit. Brakes squeal. She gets around the corner. And I'm, I've learned when I was young, I was, you know, I'd go for it. I just sat there because, you know, you couldn't get across. And this guy comes around me from California, go figure. And I looked down at him, and I knew what he was going to do. And he had been behind me and had come up around and was going to go around me to get up and turn to go to Norfolk. I said something, which I later repented. And I was mad. Have you, ever, have you ever been out and you can see someone in a vehicle and they're doing something stupid and you think, and they're speeding or doing whatever, where's the cop? Have you ever thought that? Why don't you get them, you know? And so I was mad. So I floored it. I thought, I'm going to chase him. Now, it wasn't road rage. It was just a little bit of road rage, Ron, just a little bit. And I thought, I'm just going to let him know you can't do that to a redneck from Nebraska in my, you know, pickup. And I speed up pretty soon. He speeds up, and he went, boom, takes off. I knew I couldn't catch him, so I backed off. And I'm just blankety-blank. I wasn't saying blankety-blank. I said one thing I repented of I, <coughs> as I'm going down the highway. And then so the greatest thing ever happened, a state patrolman whipped around, and he gets in that left lane, and he's going, catching up, and I'm thinking, oh, dear Jesus, let it be him. Let it be him. Let it be this jerk from California. <coughs> sure enough, pulls him over. He had to be doing 80 miles an hour, and I'm just praying he gets a ticket. And I wanted to, they all said, why don't you slow down and just go like this? But I didn't. I just said, thank you, Jesus, on the way by. So that's my story, and it had a happy ending for a change. Amen. Can't let them California drivers get the best of us. Look in Hebrews chapter 6. What have we been meant? This is the last message in a series, and it's been a long time. What, what am I? Do you remember what I've been ministering on? Oh, that was a good hint, wasn't it? Hebrews 6, and let's look at 
verse 9. It says, but beloved, we're confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the what? The end. Verse 12, that you do not become what? My Bible says sluggish. Margin of my Bible says lazy. That you do not become sluggish or lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Here's a translation. In order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards. I do not want to see the people of Harvest Church become spiritual sluggards, sluggards in these last days. Quit being slothful. Quit acting like someone who's lost his enthusiasm and excitement and has now sunk into a state of being slow, boring, monotonous, sluggish, dull, and uninterested. Does that describe you? I hope not. The purpose of this series that I've been on for a number of weeks is this, simply this, to understand the significance of remembering past spiritual victories in order to keep your heart on fire for God. It's so important, because I don't know about you, but there's times the old carnal nature wants to come out like the other day. There's times I can just become bored and disinterested in the things of God. We're human beings. These things happen. But it's important that you and I do something when we recognize the symptoms of not being interested in going to church, just going to church to go to church. You know, not not being interested in daily devotions and in getting an intimate prayer and talking to the Father on a daily basis. See, if you're not doing that, guess what's happening? You're backsliding. You're getting away, pulling away from the things of God. And and in these last days, there's the world out there trying to get your attention, trying to distract you. Sure it is. All of us. But that's where we've got to find out if we're we're just going to forge ahead and we're going to keep going. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, he says, I'm putting you in memory of all these things so that by your remembering them, you might stir up the gift of God that is in you. So by remembering past spiritual victories, you can say to yourself, well, God delivered me then. God provided for me then. God healed me then. God made a way when there seemed like there could not be a way for me. God did it. And God can do it again. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, It talks about, I'll just paraphrase, we need to remind ourselves that God has delivered us in the past, healed us, provided for us, and guided us, and will continue to do that all the days of our life. So if you're here today and you just don't feel spiritually hungry, you you just don't, you're not excited about the things of God, we all go through times and seasons like that, but you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay with that same mindset. You need to make an attitude adjustment in your heart and in your thinking. We said that memories must deliberately be maintained if they're to remain alive in our hearts and minds. How many got good memories? Sure. 
Good memories of what God has done for you in the past. If significant memories are not passed on to future generations, they become lost just like a neglected grave. The boys have grown up, and Kathy's been so good about this. Kathy's had more stories than I. She's a good storyteller about Monroe. Remember how many times has she told Monroe stories? And the boys have grown up with that, hearing stories about their grandparents and about the characters that lived in Monroe. And so now, you know, Monroe, it's important to them because of what she instilled in them about her past, where they came from, where she came from, where she grew up, that, that they'll never forget Monroe. They'll never forget, you know, long after we're gone, they'll remember and they'll tell their children about the Big Rock and probably, knowing my boys, they'll take their kids to go see the Big Rock. Why? Because we put that in them. You know, I I have a hard time, and I realize we all come from different backgrounds, dysfunctional backgrounds, and there's some people in our family line that we want to forget, right? We always, you got black sheep and all kinds of sheep. But, you know, we've all grown up, and Kathy's been so good about putting together scrapbooks. She's put together scrapbooks on both sides of the family that they will not forget and they'll not lose any information about their past ancestors. That's why it's so important, parents and grandparents, tell them stories of how you grew up, what life was like. You might think they, they think it's boring, but really deep down, they want to know about where mom and dad came from. What did, how did you act and how did you dress and, you know... It's important. To remember something or someone is to approve of, to acknowledge and to treat as a matter of importance. Whereas to forget something or someone is to dismiss or abandon as unimportant. We said remember in the Hebrew is the word zakar, which means to make mention, to bring into mind, to recollect, to meditate upon, to mark down, to record, to recall, and retain in one's thoughts. We said remembering is commanded by God and applies to the the nation of Israel. You'll go through and see how he commanded them to remember the covenant. He's commanded the believer to remember some things. And most importantly, he's commanded us to relay these stories and this information to future generations. Now, Why don't you look at Romans 10? Romans 10. This is the last in this series. And so during this series, if you've discovered you're a spiritual sluggard, then do something about it. We've told you what you need to do. In fact, one Sunday, we devoted the entire service of everyone sharing memories on how God delivered them, how God blessed them, how God healed them. There's a spiritual principle, and we'll see this in in Romans 10, and, and I think we forget these things. Here's the principle, the spiritual principle. Faith is increased by hearing your own lips rehearse the word of God, which has delivered you in the past. Say that with me. Faith is increased by hearing your own lips 
rehearse the word of God, which is delivered to you in the past. Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes on the righteousness and with the mouth confession, with the mouth confession, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's a spiritual principle. Psalms 89 verse 1, the psalmist says this, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. With what? With your mouth. So part of remembering in the Hebrew, it it, it states it's important that you talk about it, that you mention it. So when you're with your kids and with your grandkids, you'll tell them stories of what God has done for you, how God has delivered you. I know the boys have grown up in a a pastor's home, and it's just a a matter of life. It's going to happen. There's good things and bad things. And, of course, they've got memories and They've, they've grown up, and we've never been one, and probably should have. I don't know. We never kept a lot from our kids. We, we were very open with them. And they'll ask questions, and we'll tell them what we think. You can hide everything from your kids, but they're not going to learn much. They've seen mom and dad go through good times, and they've seen mom and dad go, definitely go through bad times. But they've always seen that God has been there, provided and delivered, and blessed. It pays to serve God. You're going to go through hard times. You're going to go through circumstances in life. You're going to have troubles. But if you'll stick and stay, God will take care of you. He'll deliver you. He'll help you. Now, look at Psalm 42. I'm not going to go a long time today. Psalm 42, I just want you to understand the principle. Will you you tell stories about me to your kids? (laughs) Yeah. I have to have grandkids. Not for a while, okay. Let's not wait 10 years like we did with Caleb. Psalm 42. Dear Lord, I'd be 70 years old. Everyone say, talk to yourself. In Psalm 42, the psalmist says, As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now he's going to have a pity party. My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? And you've you've all been there. We've all been there. Where are you, God? Now, verse 4, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. He's remembering. Goes back to verse 5, pity party again. Why are you cast down, O my soul? 
Now listen, why are you disquieted within me, hope in God? For I shall yet praise him for the help of my countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I what? Therefore I what? I remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mizar. Deep calls on the deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God. So you need to talk to yourself. Do you see what the psalmist did? Yeah, he said he had a problem and there were some things he was dealing with, but he talked to his soul. And you're going to have to, and I'm going to have to, verbalize sometimes. If you're going through a difficult situation, get the scripture, get the word of God, speak the word of God, call those things that be not as though they were. Speak grace to the problem. You've got to talk to yourself. You can sit there and stew and worry. Or you can worry the word, the answer to the problem. Now, look at 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. You know, I want to encourage you, when you come to church, bring a Bible. Bring a Bible. Bring the word of God with you. Because you never know. I might not be giving you the word. I might just be telling you a story. But if you have the word in front of you, you can say, yep, that's that's the word. He's preaching and teaching the word of God. One of the best examples of somebody that remembered some things was King David. And you'll see this spiritual principle that I started the message with today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I want you to see this. How many of you remember the story of David and Goliath? Sure. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 29, and David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? So his brothers are there on the, on the front, on the front line, and they're dealing with Goliath taunting Israel. Then he returned from him toward another and said the same thing, and these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. So David's basically saying, what are you griping and complaining for? I'll take care of it. And David said to Saul... Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep. Now, what's he doing? What's he doing? 
He's remembering some things. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came out, took a lamb out of the flock. I went out after it, struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. Is this faith? Oh, yes. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you. And you know the rest of the story, don't you? What was he doing? He was remembering how God delivered him in the past, how God helped him in the past. He verbalized it, not just to himself, but to those around him. And yeah, and his brothers got all upset with him and thought, well, you snotty-nosed kid, were you telling us? We, your brothers, we're the ones that can take care of the problem. But David remembered what God had done for him in the past. And I'm telling you today, Harvest Church, you need, if you're, if you're feeling sorry for yourself, and we all go through times when we feel sorry for ourselves, you need to stir yourself up. You need to remember how God has blessed you in the past. You know, I, I think about it as I was sitting at my desk today, remembering where this church, how we started, what humble beginnings we had, how God, you know, brought us to this site, this property, and how we've developed it. He's a faithful God. I said he's a faithful God. And we need to remember. So what you're going through right now, is it too big for God to take care of? Is anything too difficult for our God? No, you need to have the same attitude that David had. Bring it on. He delivered me in the past, and he'll do it again. Look at 1 Samuel 30. I'm not going to read it all for the sake of time, but this is where David had a, a problem with the Amalekites. They came and they, the enemy tribe stole his family and belongings, and they got there and they burned Ziklag, and it was a mess, and even his own people wanted to stone him, and that was about as low as you can get when people turn against you, your own one, your own family, your own fellow soldiers. But it says in verse 6, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved and every man for his sons and daughters. Very simply, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. What did David do? He strengthened himself. He encouraged himself. And sometimes when you encourage yourself, you know, it comes out a little weak. But you've got to keep going. You've got to keep speaking the word of God. If you're dealing with, you know, financial problems, then get scriptures that deal with finances. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk upright before him. The seed of a righteous man is blessed. See, if you ever go through financial problems, you're my seed. You two boys represent my seed. And you need to remember, well, my dad always used to say, Father, the seed of a righteous man is blessed. The seed of a righteous man is delivered. I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous nor forsaken nor his seed begging bread. 
What are you doing? You're encouraging yourself. You know, I find I'm going to be 60 before long. Tim, do you find out some days you just don't want to get up? Not yet. Oh, good. But it's coming. Can you do some of the things you did when you were 20? You what? You, okay. Did he? Did he? He got up there on the saddle, didn't he? Well, we're going to be ancient like your dad someday. You had trouble getting up. Well, as we get older, you know, we, we can say, I can do all things. I find myself saying this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? You've got to encourage yourself in the Lord, and that's what it means. Look at 140, Psalm 143. Psalm 143. Good work he began in you and I. He's going to finish that good work. I said he's going to finish it. Psalm 143. King David. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me, and in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He's crushed my life to the ground. He's made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me, and my heart within me is distressed. So what did he just do? Stated the problem. Is there anything wrong with stating the problem? No, it's scriptural to state the problem. Did he stay there? What's verse 5 said? say? I remember the days of what? Old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. So David here again, he was, he was very good at encouraging himself. Did he go through some tough times? Yes, he did. Look at Psalm 77. One more scripture. He remembered the days of old. Some of you here today, you need to remember what God's done for you in the past, what God's going to do for you today. And you need to remember that God has delivered you past, present, and he will certainly, most certainly deliver you in the future, help you in the future. Psalm 77, look at uh, verse 1. This just reemphasizes what I've said. The psalmist says this, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice. He gave ear to me in the day of my trouble. What's your Bible say? I sought the Lord. So in the day of your trouble, what should you simply do? Seek God. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained. No one here has ever done that. And my spirit was overwhelmed. See, that's what happens when you complain. Overwhelms your spirit. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled. I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the what? What was he doing in the night? 
What did he just say he did? He was singing. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart. My spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has he, God forgotten to be gracious? Has, it, has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Verse 10. And I said this in my anguish or my infirmity. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Amen? Isn't that good? I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work. And what? Talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You've declared your strength among the peoples. So do you see this? Ancient people of of Israel had troubled times. They went through circumstances. And yeah, they got into a ditch and started to complain and, and, you know, worry and fret. But then they began to talk to themselves, encourage themselves, remind themselves what God has done for them in the past. That'd be a good time to say amen. The psalmist remembered, the psalmist pondered or thought about God, and then he began to verbalize these things. And before long, he, he pulled himself up by the bootstraps and kept going. I'm going to close with this scripture. Um, look at Habakkuk. Right before Zephaniah, the minor prophets. This is a great scripture. And I'll close with, with telling you this, simply this. Remembering what God has done for you in the past is simply a decision of your will. I will remember what God... You have to talk to yourself. You need to remind yourself. It's a choice of your will to remember the good times. It's a choice of your will to remember how God has blessed you in the past. In Habakkuk, The hymn of faith. It's as though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold. Now, are those good things or bad things? They're bad things. There's no fruit on the vine. The olives, there's no fail. They fail. There's no olive oil. The fields yield no food. The flocks cut off from the fold. There's no herd in the stalls. That's pretty gloomy, isn't it? Isn't it? But what's he say in verse 18? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and make me walk on my high heels. I keep thinking high heels. It's high hills. Every time I read that, I think that. Is that good, though? How God will deliver you? He loves you. He loves me. 
Even when I said what I said at the corner of Monroe, of, of the highway of 81, he just probably shook his head. Why'd you do that? Now, I wanted to do other things too, but I didn't. But I sure rejoiced when I went by that guy as that female state trooper wrote him out a ticket. Amen.